Theodosius, the emperor, pressing that he might receive the Lord's Supper, excuses his own foul act by David's doing the like, to which Ambrose replies, Thou hast followed David transgressing, follow David repenting, and then think thou of the table of the Lord. Remedy 2 The second remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that these saints did not make a trade of sin. They fell once or twice and rose by repentance that they might keep the closer to Christ forever. They fell accidentally, occasionally, and with much reluctancy. Footnote The saints cannot sin with a whole will, but as it were with half a will and unwillingness, not with a full consent, but with a dissenting consent. And a footnote and thou sinnest presumptuously, obstinately, readily, delightfully, and customarily. Thou hast, by thy making a trade of sin, contracted upon thy soul a kind of cursed necessity of sinning, that thou canst as well cease to be, or cease to live, as thou canst cease to sin. Sin is, by custom, become as another nature to thee, which thou canst not, which thou wilt not lay aside, though thou knowest that if thou dost not lay sin aside, God will lay thy soul aside forever. Though thou knowest that if sin and thy soul do not part, Christ and thy soul can never meet. If thou wilt make a trade of sin and cry out, Did not David sin thus, and Noah sin thus, and Peter sin thus? No, their hearts turned aside to folly one day, but thy heart turns aside to folly every day. 2 Peter 2.14 and Proverbs 4.16 And when they were fallen, they rise by repentance and by the actings of faith upon a crucified Christ. Footnote Those who do dwell in the regenerate, as often notes, yet it does not reign over the regenerate. They rise by repentance. End of footnote But thou fallest, and hast no strength nor will to rise, but wallow in sin, and wilt eternally die in thy sins, unless the Lord be the more merciful to thy soul. Dost thou think, O soul, this is good reasoning? Such a one tasted poison but once, and yet narrowly escaped. But I do daily drink poison, yet I shall escape. Yet such is the mad reasoning of vain souls. David and Peter sinned once foully and fearfully. They tasted poison but once, and were sick to death. But I taste it daily, and yet shall not taste of eternal death. Remember, O souls, that the day is at hand when self-flatterers will be found self-deceivers, yea, self-murderers. Remedy 3 The third remedy against this device of Satan is, seriously, to consider that though God doth not, nor never will, disinherit his people for their sins, yet he hath severely punished his people for their sins. David sins, and God breaks his bones for his sin. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Psalm 51, 8 And because thou hast done this, the sword shall never depart from thy house to the day of thy death. 2 Samuel 12, 10 Though God will not utterly take from them his loving kindness, nor suffer his faithfulness to fail, nor break his covenant, nor alter the thing that is gone out of his mouth, yet will he visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Psalm 89, verses 30 and 35. The scripture abounds with instances of this kind. This is so known a truth among all that know anything of truth that to cite more scriptures to prove it 
would be to light a candle to see the sun at noon. Footnote. Josephus reports not long after the Jews had crucified Christ on the cross, so many of them were condemned to be crucified that there were not enough places for crosses, nor crosses enough for the bodies that were to be hung thereon. End of footnote. The Jews have a proverb that there is no punishment comes upon Israel in which there is not one ounce of the golden calf, meaning that that was so great a sin as that in every plague God remembered it, that it had an influence into every trouble that befell them. Every man's heart may say to him in his sufferings, as the heart of Apollodorus in the kettle, I have been the cause of this. God is most angry when he shows no anger. God keep me from this mercy. This kind of mercy is worse than all other kind of misery. One writing to a dead friend hath this expression, I account it a part of unhappiness not to know adversity. I judge you to be miserable because you have not been miserable. Footnote, said Luther, There is not a Christian that carries not his cross. End of footnote. It is mercy that our affliction is not execution, but a correction. He that hath deserved hanging may be glad if he escape with a whipping. God's corrections are our instructions, his lashes our lessons, his scourges our schoolmasters, his chastisements our advertisements or admonitions. And to note this, both the Hebrews and the Greeks express chastening and teaching by one and the same word, because the latter is the true end of the former, according to that in the proverb, smart makes wit, and vexation gives understanding. Whence Luther fitly calls affliction the Christian man's divinity. So saith Job in chapter 33, verse 14 through 19, God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. When Satan shall tell thee of other men's sins to draw thee to sin, do thou then think of the same men's sufferings to keep thee from sin. Lay thy hand upon thy heart and say, O my soul, if thou sinnest with David, thou must suffer with David. Remedy 4 The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that there are but two main ends of God's recording of the falls of his saints. And the one is to keep those from fainting, sinking, and despair under the burden of their sins who fall through weakness and infirmity. And the other is that their falls may be as landmarks to warn others that stand to take heed lest they fall. It never entered into the heart of God to record his children's sins that others might be encouraged to sin, but that others might look to their standings and hang the faster upon the skirts of Christ and avoid all occasions and temptations that may occasion the soul to fall as others have fallen when they have been left by Christ. The Lord hath made their sins as landmarks to warn his people to take heed how they come near those sands and rocks, those snares and baits that have been fatal to the choicest treasures, to wit the joy, peace, comfort, and glorious enjoyments of the bravest spirits 
and noblest souls that ever sailed through the ocean of this sinful, troublesome world, as you may see in David, Job, and Peter. There is nothing in the world that can so notoriously cross the grand end of God's recording of the sins of his saints than for any from thence to take encouragement to sin. And wherever you find such a soul, you may write him Christless, graceless, a soul cast off by God, a soul that Satan hath by the hand, and the eternal God knows whither he will lead him. Device 5 To present God to the soul as one made up all of mercy. Oh, saith Satan, you need not make such a matter of sin. You need not be so fearful of sin, not so unwilling to sin. For God is a God of mercy, a God full of mercy, a God that delights in mercy, a God that is ready to show mercy, a God that is never weary of showing mercy, a God more prone to pardon his people than to punish his people. And therefore he will not take advantage against the soul. And why then, saith Satan, should you make such a matter of sin? Remedy 1 The first remedy is, seriously, to consider that it is the sorest judgment in the world to be left to sin upon any pretense whatsoever. O unhappy man, when God leaveth thee to thyself and doth not resist thee in thy sins. Footnote It is a human thing to fall into sin, a devilish to persevere therein, and an angelical or supernatural to rise from it. End of footnote Woe, woe to him at whose sins God doth wink. When God lets the way to hell be a smooth and pleasant way, that is hell on this side of hell, and a dreadful sign of God's indignation against a man, a token of his rejection, and that God doth not intend good unto him. That is a sad word. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Hosea 4.17 He will be uncounselable and incorrigible. He hath made a match with mischief. He shall have his belly full of it. He falls with open eyes. Let him fall at his own peril. And that is a terrible saying. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lusts, and they walked in their own counsels. Psalm 81 verse 12 A soul given up to sin is a soul ripe for hell, a soul posting to destruction. Ah, Lord, this mercy I humbly beg, that whatever thou givest me up to, thou wilt not give me up to the ways of my own heart. If thou wilt give me up to be afflicted, or tempted, or reproached, I will patiently sit down and say, It is the Lord. Let him do with me what seems good in his own eyes. Do anything with me. Lay what burden thou wilt upon me, so thou dost not give me up to the ways of my own heart. Footnote Deliver me, O Lord, from that evil man, myself. And a footnote. Remedy 2 The second remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that God is as just as he is merciful. As the scriptures speak him out to be a very merciful God, so they speak him out to be a very just God. Witness his casting the angels out of heaven, 2 Peter 2.4, and his binding them in chains of darkness. Footnote God hang them up in gibbets, as it were, that others might hear and fear and do know more so wickedly. End of footnote. Till the judgment of that great day and witness his turning Adam out of paradise, his drowning of the old world and his raining hell out of heaven upon Sodom. 
and witness all the crosses, losses, sicknesses, and diseases that be in the world, and witness Tophet that was prepared of old. Witness his treasuring up of wrath against the day of wrath unto the revelation of the just judgments of God. But above all, witness the pouring forth of all his wrath upon his bosom son when he did bear the sins of his people and cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew 27:46. Remedy 3 The third remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that sins against mercy will bring the greatest and sorest judgments upon men's heads and hearts. Mercy is Alpha, justice is Omega. David, speaking of these attributes, placeth mercy in the foreword and justice in the rearward, saying, My song shall be of mercy and judgment. Psalm 101, verse 1 When mercy is despised, then justice takes the throne. Footnote The higher we are in dignity, the more grievous is our fall and misery. End of footnote God is like a prince that sends not his army against rebels before he hath sent his pardon and proclaimed it by a herald of arms. He first hangs out the white flag of mercy. If this wins men in, they are happy forever. But if they stand out, then God will put forth his red flag of justice and judgment. If the one is despised, the other shall be felt with a witness. Footnote God is slow to anger, but he recompenseth his slowness with grievousness of punishment. If we abuse mercy to serve our lust, then, in Slavian's phrase, God will rain hell out of heaven rather than not visit for such sins. End of footnote. See this in the Israelites. He loved them and chose them when they were in their blood and most unlovely. He multiplied them, not by means, but by miracle. From seventy souls they grew in few years to six hundred thousand. The more they were oppressed, the more they prospered. Like chamomile, the more you tread it, the more you spread it. Or to a palm tree, the more it is pressed, the further it spreadeth. Or to fire, the more it is raked, the more it burneth. Their mercies came in upon them like Job's messengers, one upon the neck of the other. He put off their sackcloth, and girded them with gladness, and compassed them about with songs of deliverance. He carried them on the wings of eagles. He kept them as the apple of his eye, etc., But they, abusing his mercy, became the greatest objects of his wrath. As I know not the man that can reckon up their mercies, so I know not the man that can sum up the miseries that are come upon them for their sins. For as the Savior prophesied concerning Jerusalem that a stone should not be left upon a stone, so it was fulfilled forty years after his ascension by Vespasian the emperor and his son Titus, who, having besieged Jerusalem, the Jews were oppressed with a grievous famine, in which their food was old shoes, leather, old hay, and the dung of beasts. There died partly of the sword and partly of the famine, eleven hundred thousand of the poorer sort. Two thousand in one night were emboweled. Six thousand were burned in a porch of the temple. The whole city was sacked and burned and laid level to the ground. And ninety-seven thousand taken captives and applied to base and miserable service, as Eusebius and Josephus saith. Footnote. Vespasian break into their city at Kedron, where they took Christ, on the same feast day that Christ was taken. He 
He whipped them where they whipped Christ. He sold twenty Jews for a penny, as they sold Christ for thirty pence. End of footnote. And to this day in all the parts of the world, are they not the offscouring of the world? None less beloved, and none more abhorred than they. Footnote. Men are therefore worse, because they ought to be better, and shall be deeper in hell, because heaven was offered unto them, but they would not. Good turns aggravate unkindnesses, and men's offenses are increased by their obligations. End of footnote. And so Capernaum, that was lifted up to heaven, was threatened to be thrown down to hell. No souls fall so low into hell, if they fall, as those souls that by a hand of mercy are lifted up nearest to heaven. You slight souls that are so apt to abuse mercy, consider this, that in the gospel days the plagues that God inflicts upon the despisers and abusers of mercy are usually spiritual plagues, as blindness of mind, hardness of heart, benumbness of conscience, which are ten thousand times worse than the worst of outward plagues that can befall you. And therefore, though you may escape temporal judgments, yet you shall not escape spiritual judgments. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Hebrews 2.3 saith the Apostle. O therefore, whenever Satan shall present God to the soul as one made up all of mercy, that he may draw thee to do wickedly, say unto him that sins against mercy will bring upon the soul the greatest misery, and therefore whatever becomes of thee thou wilt not sin against mercy. Remedy 4 The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that though God's general mercy be over all his works, yet his special mercy is confined to those that are divinely qualified. Footnote Augustus in his solemn feasts gave trifles to some, but gold to others that his heart was most set upon. So God, by a hand of general mercy, gives these, poor trifles, outward blessings to those that he least loves. But his gold, his special mercy, is only towards those that his heart is most set upon. End of footnote. So in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Exodus 20, verse 6, And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Psalm 25, verse 10, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Psalm 32, verse 10, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Psalm 33, verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Psalm 103, verse 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. When Satan attempts to draw thee to sin by presenting God as a God all made up of mercy, O then reply that though God's general mercy extend to all the works of his hand, 
yet his special mercy is confined to them that are divinely qualified, to them that love him and keep his commandments, to them that trust in him, that by hope hang upon him, and that fear him, and that thou must be such a one here, or else thou canst never be happy hereafter. Thou must partake of his special mercy, or else eternally perish in everlasting misery, notwithstanding God's general mercy. Remedy 5 The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that those that were once glorious on earth and are now triumphing in heaven did look upon the mercy of God as the most powerful argument to preserve them from sin and to fence their souls against sin and not as an encouragement to sin. Psalm 26 verses 3 through 5 For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes. I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons. Neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. So Joseph strengthens himself against sin from the remembrance of mercy. How then can I, saith he, do this great wickedness and sin against God? Genesis 39, 9 He had his eye fixed upon mercy and therefore sin could not enter, though the irons entered into his soul. His soul, being taken with mercy, was not moved with his mistress's imprudence. Satan knocked often at the door, but the sight of mercy would not suffer him to answer or open. Joseph, like a pearl in a puddle, keeps his virtue still. Footnote The stone, called Pontarus, is of that virtue, that it preserves him that carries it from taking any hurt by poison. The mercy of God in Christ to our souls is the most precious stone or pearl in the world to prevent us from being poisoned with sin. End of footnote. So Paul, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Romans 6 verses 1 and 2. There is nothing in the world that renders a man more unlike to a saint and more like to Satan than to argue from mercy to sinful liberty, from divine goodness to licentiousness. This is the devil's logic, and whomsoever you find it, you may write, This soul is lost. A man may as truly say the sea burns, or fire cools, as that free grace and mercy should make a truly gracious soul to do wickedly. So the same apostle, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12, verse 1. So John, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. What was it that he wrote? He wrote, that we might have fellowship with the Father and his Son, and that the blood of Christ cleanseth us from all sin and that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and that if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. These choice favors and mercies the Apostle holds forth as the choicest means to preserve the soul from sin and to keep at the greatest distance from sin. And if this will not do it, you may write the man void of Christ and grace and undone forever. Device 6 
by persuading the soul that the work of repentance is an easy work and that therefore the soul need not make such a matter of sin. Why? Suppose you do sin, saith Satan, it is no such difficult thing to return and confess and to be sorrowful and beg pardon and cry, Lord have mercy upon me. And if you do but this, God will cut the score, or forgive the debt, and pardon your sins and save your souls. By this device Satan draws many a soul to sin and makes many millions of souls servants or rather slaves to sin. Remedy 1 The first remedy is seriously to consider that repentance is a mighty work, a difficult work, a work that is above our power. There is no power below that power that raised Christ from the dead and that made the world that can break the heart of a sinner or turn the heart of a sinner. Thou art as well able to melt adamant as to melt thine own heart to turn a flint into flesh as to turn thine own heart to the Lord to raise the dead and to make a world as to repent. Repentance is a flower that grows not in nature's garden. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. Jeremiah 13:23. Repentance is a gift that comes down from above. Footnote Fallen man hath lost the command of himself and the command of the creatures. And certainly he that cannot command himself cannot repent of himself. End of footnote. Men are not born with repentance in their hearts as they are born with tongues in their mouths. Acts 5.31 Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So in 2 Timothy 2.25 In meekness instructing them that oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. It is not in the power of any mortal to repent at pleasure. Footnote It was a vain brag of King Cyrus that caused it to be written upon his tombstone, I could do all things. So could Paul too, but it was through Christ which strengthened him. End of footnote Some ignorant, deluded souls vainly conceit that these five words, Lord have mercy upon me, are efficacious to send them to heaven but as many are undone by buying a counterfeit jewel, so many are in hell by mistake of their repentance. Many rest in their repentance, though it may be but the shadow of repentance, which caused one to say, Repentance damneth more than sin. Remedy 2 The second remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider of the nature of true repentance. Repentance is some other thing than what vain men conceive. Footnote The Hebrew word for repentance signifies to return, implying a going back from what a man had done. It notes a turning or converting from one thing to another, from sin to God. The Greeks have two words by which they express the nature of repentance. One signifies to be careful, anxious, solicitous, after a thing is done. The other word denotes after wit or after wisdom, the mind's recovering of wisdom or growing wiser after our folly. True repentance is a thorough change both of the mind and manners. Repentance for sin is nothing worth without repentance from sin. 
If thou repentest with a contradiction, saith Tertullian, God will pardon thee with a contradiction. If thou repentest and yet continuest in thy sin, God will pardon thee and yet send thee to hell. There is a pardon with a contradiction. Negative goodness serves no man's turn to save him from the axe. End of footnote. Repentance is sometimes taken in a more strict and narrow sense for godly sorrow. Sometimes repentance is taken in a large sense for amendment of life. Repentance hath in it three things, that is, the act, subject, terms. 1. The formal act of repentance is a changing and converting. It is often set forth in scripture by turning. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, saith Ephraim. After that I was turned, I repented, saith he. Jeremiah 31, verses 18 and 19. It is a turning from darkness to light. 2. The subject changed and converted is the whole man. It is both the sinner's heart and life. First his heart, then his life. First his person, then his practice and conversation. Wash you, make you clean. There is the change of their persons. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Isaiah 1, verses 16 and 17. There is the change of their practices. So, cast away, saith Ezekiel, all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed. There is the change of the life. And make you a new heart and a new spirit. Chapter 18, verse 31. There is the change of the heart. Number three. The terms of this change and conversion from which and to which both heart and life must be changed from sin to God. The heart must be changed from the state and power of sin, the life from the acts of sin, but both unto God. The heart to be under his power in the state of grace, the life to be under his rule in all new obedience, as the apostle speaks, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Acts 26.18 So the prophet Isaiah saith, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. Chapter 55, verse 7 Thus much of the nature of evangelical repentance. Now, souls, tell me whether it be such an easy thing to repent, as Satan doth suggest. Besides what hath been spoken, I desire that you will take notice that repentance doth include turning from the most darling sins. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? Hosea 14.8 Yea, it is a turning from all sin to God. Ezekiel 18.30 Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Herod turned from many, but turned not from his Herodias, which was his ruin. Judas turned from all visible wickedness, yet he would not cast out that golden devil, covetousness. Therefore was cast into the hottest place in hell. He that turns not from every sin, turns not aright from any one sin. Every sin strikes at the honor of God, the being of God, the glory of God, the heart of Christ, the joy of the Spirit, and the peace of a man's conscience. 
and therefore a soul truly penitent strikes at all, hates all, conflicts with all, and will labor to draw strength from a crucified Christ to crucify all. A true penitent knows neither father nor mother, nor right eye nor right hand, but will pluck out the one or cut off the other. Saul spared but one agag, and that cost him his soul and his kingdom. 1 Samuel 15.9 Besides, repentance is not only a turning from all sin, but also a turning to all good, to a love of all good, to a prizing of all good, and to a following after all good. Ezekiel 18.21 But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. That is, only negative righteousness and holiness is no righteousness nor holiness. Footnote It is said of Ithacus that the hatred of the Priscillian heresy was all the virtue that he had. The evil servant did not riot out his talent. Matthew 25.18 Those reprobates, Matthew 25 verses 41 to 45, rob not the saints, but relieve them not, for this they must eternally perish. End of footnote. David fulfilled all the will of God, and had respect unto all his commandments, and so had Zacharias and Elizabeth. It is not enough that the tree bears not ill fruit, but it must bring forth good fruit, else it must be cut down and cast into the fire. Luke 13 verse 7. So it is not enough that you are not thus and thus wicked, but you must be thus and thus gracious and good, else divine justice will put the axe of divine vengeance to the root of your souls and cut you off forever. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Matthew 3.10 Besides, repentance doth include a sensibleness of sin's sinfulness, how opposite and contrary it is to the blessed God. God is light, sin is darkness. God is life, sin is death. God is heaven, sin is hell. God is beauty, sin is deformity. Also, true repentance includes a sensibleness of sin's mischievousness, how it cast angels out of heaven and Adam out of paradise, how it laid the first cornerstone in hell and brought in all the curses, crosses, and miseries that be in the world and how it makes men liable to all temporal, spiritual, and eternal wrath, how it hath made men godless, Christless, hopeless, and heavenless. Further, true repentance doth include sorrow for sin, contrition of heart. It breaks the heart with sighs and sobs and groans, for that a loving God and Father is by sin offended, a blessed Savior afresh crucified, and the sweet Comforter, the Spirit, grieved and vexed. Again, repentance doth include not only a loathing of sin, but also a loathing of ourselves for sin. As a man doth not only loathe the poison, but he loathes the very dish or vessel that hath the smell of the poison. So a true penitent doth not only loathe his sin, but he loathes himself, the vessel that smells of it. So Ezekiel 20, verse 43. And there shall... Ye remember your ways and all your doings, wherein ye have been defiled, and ye shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all your evils that ye have committed. True repentance will work your hearts, 
not only to loathe your sins, but to loathe yourselves. Footnote True repentance is a sorrowing for sin, as it is an offense to God and against God. This both comes from God and drives a man to God, as it did the church in the canticles and the prodigal. End of footnote. Again, true repentance doth not only work a man to loathe himself for his sins, but it makes him ashamed of his sin also. What fruit had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed, saith the apostle? Romans 6.21 So Ezekiel And thou shalt be confounded and never open thy mouth any more because of thy shame when I am pacified toward thee for all that thou hast done saith the Lord God. Chapter 16 verse 63 When a penitent soul sees his sins pardoned the anger of God pacified the divine justice satisfied then he sits down and blushes as the Hebrew hath it as one ashamed. Yea, true repentance doth work a man to cross his sinful self and to walk contrary to sinful self, to take a holy revenge upon sin, as you may see in Paul, the jailer, Mary Magdalene, and Manasseh. This the apostle shows in Second Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. For godly sorrow worketh repentance never to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold the selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. So much the more God hath been displeased with the blackness of sin, the more will he be pleased with the blushing of the sinner. Bernard they that do not burn now in zeal against sin must ere long burn in hell for sin end of footnote now souls sum up all these things together and tell me whether it would be such an easy thing to repent as Satan would make the soul to believe and I am confident your heart will answer that it is as hard a thing to repent as it is to make a world or raise the dead I shall conclude this second remedy with a worthy saying of a precious holy man. Repentance, saith he, strips us stark naked of all the garments of the old Adam and leaves not so much as a shirt behind. In this rotten building it leaves not a stone upon a stone. As the flood drowned Noah's own friends and servants, so must the flood of repenting tears drown our sweetest and most profitable sins. Remedy 3 The third remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that repentance is a continued act. The word repent implies the continuation of it. Footnote Anselm in his meditations confesseth that all his life was either damnable for sin committed or unprofitable for good omitted and at last concludes Oh, what then remains but in our whole life to lament the sins of our whole life? And a footnote. True repentance inclines a man's heart to perform God's statutes always, even unto the end. A true penitent must go on from faith to faith, from strength to strength. He must never stand still nor turn back. Repentance is a grace and must have its daily operation as well as other graces. True repentance is a continued spring where the waters of godly sorrow are always flowing. 
My sin is ever before me. Psalm 51 verse 3 A true penitent is often casting his eyes back to the days of his former vanity, and this makes him morning and evening to water his couch with his tears. Remember not against me the sins of my youth, saith one blessed penitent, and I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, saith another penitent. Repentance is a continued act of turning, a repentance never to be repented of, a turning never to turn again to folly. A true penitent hath ever something within him to turn from. He can never get near enough to God, no, not so near him as once he was, and therefore he is still turning and turning that he may get nearer and nearer to him that is his chiefest good and his only happiness, the best and the greatest. They are every day a crying out, O wretched man that we are, who shall deliver us from this body of death? Romans 7.24 They are still sensible of sin and still conflicting with sin and still sorrowing for sin and still loathing of themselves for sin. Repentance is no transient act but a continued act of the soul. O tell me, O tempted soul, whether it be such an easy thing as Satan would make thee to believe, to be every day a turning more and more from sin, and a turning nearer and nearer to God, thy choicest blessedness. A true penitent can as easily content himself with one act of faith, or one act of love, as he can content himself with one act of repentance. A Jewish rabbi, pressing the practice of repentance upon his disciples and exhorting them to be sure to repent the day before they died, one of them replied that the day of any man's death was very uncertain. Repent therefore every day, said the rabbi, and then you shall be sure to repent the day before you die. You are wise and know how to apply it to your own advantage. Remedy 4 The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that if the work of repentance were such an easy work as Satan would make it to be, then certainly so many would not lie roaring and crying out of wrath and eternal ruin under the horrors and terrors of conscience for not repenting. Yea, doubtless so many millions would not go to hell for not repenting if it were such an easy thing to repent. Footnote If thou be backward in the thoughts of repentance, be forward in the thoughts of hell, the flames whereof only the streams of the penitent eye can extinguish. Oh, how shalt thou tear and rend thyself! How shalt thou lament fruitless repenting! What wilt thou say? Woe is me that I have not cast off the burden of sin! Woe is me that I have not washed away my spots, but am now pierced with mine iniquities! Now have I lost the surpassing joy of angels. End of footnote. Ah, do not poor souls under horror of conscience cry out and say, Were all this world a lump of gold and in our hand to dispose of, we would give it for the least drachm of true repentance. And wilt thou say that it is an easy thing to repent? When a poor sinner whose conscience is awakened shall judge the exchange of all the world for the least drachm of repentance, to be the happiest exchange that ever sinner made. Tell me, O soul, is it good going to hell? Is it good dwelling with the devouring fire, with everlasting burnings? 
This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.